Hello and welcome to a Thursday, February 2nd edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Harris Kermani, and I'm going to be joined today by my guy, Kenny, as we take on a seven-game slate to make this Throwback Thursday Potentially historic. I mean, what, LeBron is uh, 89 points away from uh, from the all-time scoring record? Is he going to get it in two games, three games? Because he has some ridiculous night to be able to do it. But we are getting a lot of back-to-backs here that we're going to have to think about and see how that's going to end up affecting things. But speaking of back-to-back, we were doing back-to-back Wednesday podcasts here. Kenny, how are things going on your end? How has your day gone so far? Uh, let's see. He was actually a little bit busy today, so couldn't get my regular props in. And, you know, it's it just always funny. The days you get too busy, the props that you was on earlier in the day all tend to just hit for you. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but, you know, I was able to watch some good basketball. Just got done with this Minnesota Golden State game. And um, surprisingly, that did not go over its total. Um, I believe that game came in at 2.37, but didn't go over. Um, yeah. yeah, even with overtime, which is surprising. From what it was. <laughs> yeah. is, that, is that more surprising or the fact that uh, D'Angelo Russell went off on them and they actually ended up winning alongside Nas Reed having a crazy game? Um, you know, I would say D'Angelo Russell actually felling out was more crazier hmm. than actually putting up a good game. Fair enough. Yeah, you'd have to play enough D to be able to do that. And apparently he decided that uh, he's going to do that tonight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes you just need a ref to know that, you know, let you know that you're actually there. Get a there couple of I like it. I like it. Well, I mean, Minnesota is still obviously looking to get themselves back to some sort of health. The uh, cat just keeps getting further and further out on his timeline. We're going to see if he actually comes back at some point. But let's. Leave all of that and jump right into this seven-game slate here. And just before we do, as always, get yourself subscribed on SportsEthos.com with the DFS Pass. Get yourself access to our daily DFS deliveries, which are just amazing articles written by our team to really get into the nitty-gritty of some of their picks on the day. Of course, our podcast is there for all of our listeners, but you also get access to our Discord to be able to ask the pros all the way up until lineup lock, where... Given the fact that we are sitting on a number of back-to-backs, a number of people are questionable coming in, could that last-minute change be what tips your lineup over the edge in what is going to be, in my opinion, a pretty tight slate? I think there's a lot of ways that one can go, uh, given the uh, the price kind of adjustments that we've been seeing from DraftKings for the slate. I was actually a bit surprised when I saw some of the uh, price drops, but we'll get right into that. With the first game of the night, which is the Los Angeles Lakers going into Indiana to take on the Pacers. Now, we are recording this the night before, so we have the totals for a couple of games, but this one we do not. And that's likely because of a number of questionable statuses that are coming through over here. Now, at this point, it's just a given that LeBron is just questionable every game, but he ends up actually playing. I was surprised, though, that Anthony Davis, given the fact that, you know, he was initially saying that he is going to be dealing with a stress fracture in his right foot, but then ended up ended up playing and has been playing pretty consistently, got his full minutes in, not necessarily giving you the production that you would otherwise expect, but he is also listed probable for this game, so we'll probably see him on the floor. While on the Indiana side, the big news is that Tyrese Halliburton is most likely going to be getting himself back onto the floor for this one. Rick Carlisle had an interview saying, yeah, he's questionable, but he's likely going to play. We don't know what his minutes are going to look like. But 
it's about how risky you're feeling because Tyrese Halliburton absolutely murdered the Lakers earlier on in the season over here. But really, in terms of where I'm looking, uh, I'm done betting against LeBron James. <laughs> it's just one of those where I said I'd be taking it on the chin for a number of times. But it's clear that he's just going to be looking to drop 60 every time he uh, ends up playing now. And uh, his price has gone down to 10700 which is surprising given his last two games are both uh, 60 plus there. So he's definitely in play. That small forward power forward eligibility puts himself there. And... Clearly, when Anthony Davis is there, instead of a Thomas Bryant lineup, they like Rui Hachimura kind of playing alongside him. And he's sitting at that power forward position at 5,100, dropped 33 DK points in the last game where he played 40 minutes. So that's that's a good sign as far as his production is concerned. That's kind of where I'm looking. Uh, on the Indiana side, I'll, uh, I'll think I'll leave that to you. But uh, are you looking at Halliburton at all? Are you feeling a little frisky on his first game back, Kenny? Um, honestly, I kind of want Halliburton to actually um, stay on the IR for this game because you talked about the last game they played, and I believe that was a uh, Mathrick coming out party, um, hitting his first big clutch shot to take down the Lakers. <laughs> so if Halliburton is out, I'm really going to have a lot of interest in uh, Mathrick for 5'9". And the other player for Indiana I'm going to have interest in, who knows, there still might be a target for the Lakers, is Miles Turner for 7-3. I don't know. Um, I'm really just doing this more for the narrative, but I I don't know. Try to talk me off of it. Like, I really (laughs) like the spot, but I really don't know why I like the spot other than the narrative. Like, I really feel like this is a 20-10 and with three blocks or steals in this game. Yeah, I mean, I always like Miles Turner anytime he's kind of sitting in this price tag. And we know if there's one thing that is for sure, it's that the Lakers are just bad defensively. And it's just been the case throughout the year. And especially against kind of those centers that are able to stretch you out a little bit more, get you outside of where they can just potentially clog the paint over there. So obviously Miles Turner, who had a a great game last time around, even though he didn't shoot all that well, I do think I have a little bit of interest in him. And I may actually... Uh, have a little bit of interest in Tyrese Halliburton just as a dart throw. Like, I know we usually talk about value plays being dart throws over there, but for 8,800, obviously it would be kind of crappy if he had a minutes restriction or anything, which we maybe will find out, you know, going closer into the game. But I think even if he plays 30 minutes rather than his, like, regular mid-30s, he's still got a great bit of time to be able to go ahead and put up, like, high 40s on this Lakers lineup that just can't deal with any point guard that has even a semblance of speed. But let's see. Well, with that, let's move right on then to the Memphis and Cleveland game, which is also one of those where we don't have the total just as of yet. On the Memphis side, it's really all systems go outside of the uh, Stephen Adams injury, which continues to be a a three to five week one. We'll see when he's able to make it onto the floor. Same with the Cleveland side as well, which is... Uh, currently got a pretty decent price adjustment. This is kind of where my first like visor clicked on, where you're seeing the prices really drop here. Uh, we've seen Donovan Mitchell go all the way down to 8,100 uh, from his kind of high 8,000s, early 9,000s that he'd been running for a couple of games now. So definitely a bit of an adjustment there. And on the other hand, the Memphis side has kind of stayed in. So to be honest, 
Memphis has kind of been like my hands off as far as uh, overall DFS is concerned, unless it was one of those nights where I thought Brandon Clark was super cheap and he was going to get an opportunity, but he's actually up to about 5,800 now too. So really my only kind of interest, and this is going to be a theme kind of running throughout this, uh, throughout the slate for me is those guys that are adjusted into that 7,000 price range who I feel have the upside to be able to drop like 40 to 50 on a good night. And that's, Jaron Jackson kind of running onto this 7,100 in a pretty solid matchup where he will get more of an opportunity to be able to contest more, uh, obviously dealing with the Twin Towers that's coming in from the Cleveland side. And I'll have a little bit of interest on the other Twin Tower on the Cleveland side for the same uh, price tag as well. But it's all about whether he can stay out of foul trouble, but he's just been so productive in the minutes that he has been playing that it's just hard to bet against him having another multi whatever block night and getting himself into another situation where he can rack up, you know, 40 to 50 DK points in a hurry as long as he can stay out. So that's kind of where I'm looking here, but uh, what's kind of your interest as far as this matchup's concerned? Um, this matchup actually um, just giving me a lot of question marks. I don't know if, um, cause if you look at it, the way that these players are priced, like Clark Brooks, um, Tillman, their price is if, some news is going to break saying quite a few of these Memphis regulars are going to be out and they will have an increase in minutes. So usually I would say like, hey, it's a back to back, you know, let's take a look at a few of these bench players. But all of them got about a three to five hundred price increase um, for the Memphis side on the Cleveland side. I do feel like. Mobley or an Allen will be worth like a little 7K dart throw for a GPP. But when it comes to cash, I don't have any interest. And one more cheap person that I always been saying that this big game is going to be coming through is uh, Ricky Rubio. He's still giving you about 15 to 20 minutes, but his production per minute is there. Um, I mean, Last five games, he's probably averaging about 18 DK points in 15 minutes. Um, that's all I really have for this game. I don't have too much issues either. Yeah, I mean, agreed right there on the Ricky Rubio one. I'm just kind of waiting personally for him to break that 20-minute barrier, and then I'll be all over him for anything in this current like range that he's at. But as you said, his permanent production has been there. He has seen a little bit of a price bump at the uh, at the back of that kind of 24 DK point game that he had in the last one. So we'll see if he can keep that up. And frankly, I think Rubio is going to be super important to Cleveland wanting to do anything this year as far as playoff noise is concerned. So ramping him up is going to be super important. So we're going to have to see how long that ends up taking. But I'm right there with you on the Mobley side. That was going to be the other kind of 7,000 guy that I am uh, that I am interested in on this one. Again, as you said, it's, it's more of a little more of a dart throw, though he did have a great game against Memphis earlier in the season, dropped 45 DK points on that one. But I'm not there to necessarily chase uh, what they did in the previous game. But in general, Mobley is clearly taking on a bigger role, not only on the offensive side, but he's also getting a much more consistent with the rebounds that he's been getting. Earlier on in the season, we were seeing that he would have like a monster rebounding night and then like have like a mid rebound night kind of go with that. But he's kind of settling around that uh, eight to nine rebounds on a consistent basis every night, which helps kind of bring up his floor, in my opinion. And that uh, makes it a little bit easier for me to be able to select him at that price tag, knowing that those ancillary stats are going to be there. But let's move right on to the Miami 
Heat taking on the New York Knicks going into the Garden. We do have a total for this one, a 213 total. So definitely not the most fast-paced game as far as the betting projections are concerned. The Heat are favored to win this game by a point and a half. So definitely expecting this to be a close one. And as far as uh, the injury report is concerned on this one, we're seeing that Oladipo is listed as doubtful for this game. So he's likely not going to be playing on that one. So, you know, a guy who'd been consistently getting about 30 minutes is going to have to kind of move around with the rest of the rotation, see how that ends up working out. And the same uh, same thing with Gabe Vincent, who is also questionable for this one. So we'll see what happens there. As far as New York's concerned, though, all systems go, only really missing out that Mitchell Robinson side. So for me, again, this is all about price adjustments and making it an interesting spot for me. And Jimmy Butler has dropped all the way to 7,400 in this game. Now, last four games, he hasn't had a single game where he was less than 35 DK points with two of them settling in that mid forties. And he had 139 in there as well. He's just a consistent presence. And he's just one of those guys that loves the opportunity to be able to go into the garden and have a big night. He's had a couple of them already in his career. He's had a couple when he was wearing the heat uniform as well. So it's just one of those things where people like to go into the Mecca and have those games there. And the only kind of worry uh, with, um, with how uh, Miami ends up going is the fact that they are, uh, you know, been a bit odd as far as their kind of minutes rotation has been concerned. Once old old Depot was there, Uh, Jimmy Butler who has, kind of consistently been in that mid thirties there. It just gets a little bit confusing for me from a shots perspective when I know that the starting lineup is kind of equally uh, distributing as far as their shots are concerned. Although we've seen Lowry kind of start to take a bigger backseat as far as the offense is concerned and clearly letting uh, Bam, Jimmy and Tyler be a little bit more of the shot takers. But all in all, I like that price tag for Jimmy to be able to go ahead and have a 40 plus DK uh, points night here, given uh, what we are seeing. And, you know, usually in these games that are a lower point spread uh, that we've seen with uh, with Miami going in, it just really means that the stars are going to get more of that production. And I expect that Jimmy's going to be there. So he's kind of my uh, guy that I like as far as Miami is concerned. And from the New York side of things, it's really I've been avoiding by and large the Randall Brunson thing, unless it's like a really, really strong matchup. I did like the fact that Hartenstein got about 30 minutes last game going up, or 40 minutes, in fact, last game, going up against a big man that he'd actually need to kind of body and defend himself against. So I think that bodes well for him to have to do that once again against the Bam Adebayo. And for him sitting at 4,000, I think there's plenty of upside for him to have a similar game to what he did last time around. So I'm, uh, I'm, I think I'm pretty heavily jumping in. What do you think? Um, I mean, this is one of these games where it's like, I might as well just move on to the next one when I'm making my lineups. Um, but when it comes to Jimmy, I don't have interest in him in um, DFS. But if his rebounds and assist prop come in anywhere from like 10.5 or 11.5, I will be on its under. Um, for a DFS play, I would say Tyler Hero would be the only person I would have any consideration in this game for the Miami side. Um, New York, they actually do give up a good amount of rebounds to guards, and Hero actually been pretty productive on the boards this season. Uh, when it comes to shot attempts, you know Hero's always going to get you about 12 to 20 shot attempts, depending on the game. The closer the game is, the more shot attempts he would get. On the New York side, I'm just going to go with minutes and just use him as my cash game cheapie, and that's going to be Quentin Grimes at 4'8". Uh, production isn't always there, but 
he's always going to get you anywhere from like 36 to 42, 44 minutes a night. So that's all I'm really doing in this game. Um, yeah, yeah that's, I don't have too much interest, man. <laughs> no, that's fair. I mean, you just got to hope it's not a, a cardio game for Quentin Grimes because he's had quite a few of those <laughs> as the season goes on. But as you said, he uh, stays on the floor enough, gets uh, gets enough opportunities kind of off the off the gravity that uh, Brunson and Randall end up creating. So hopefully we can get a better night from him. Let's move right on to the Charlotte and Chicago game. And, you know, you talk about not having much interest in the previous game. I'll be honest here. I don't have all that much interest in this one, despite the fact that this is a 236 and a half total with the Chicago Bulls listed at six and a half. So I'm going to, I'm going to let you lead off on this one because I, I have a feeling you do have a little bit of interest with the games coming in. So what are you looking yeah. at with this one, Kevin? Yeah, with this one, um, this is really going to be my cash game play. Like, um, I'm going to be using Vucevic and Verzier. It's kind of like the basic of my little cash game line that I'm going to be looking at tomorrow. And when it comes to the other pieces, the Rosen and Levine, one of these players is going to put up 30 points. I don't know which one. So if I'm really going to go a full game stack, I'm going to go one of these players. You mentioned that the spread for this game is a little high. A um, couple other pieces I'm liking on the Chicago side, more of a GPP play. But Ayo, he's been looking to actually shoot the ball in the past couple games. Um, I want to say he had 12 or 14 against my Clippers uh, tonight. Um, then I want to say they played Charlotte last week, if I remember correctly, and he put up um, 12 or 15 on them as well. Um, outside of that, the Charlotte side, I actually don't have interest in LaMelo Ball, but I feel like a lot of people will be on them in cash games especially. Um, but I really like the spot for Rozier a little bit better. Um, Chicago's not known for their defense. I feel like when it comes to – Man defense on ball, it's going to be more so Caruso on them. So I feel like it's going to pivot into Rosier being more the aggressive offensive player. Um, and my GPP play that I'm liking, if Vucevic does tend to not, you know, uh, want to be a little productive, I feel like Plumlee will need to get the minutes. Um, if I'm not playing Vooch, I'm going to be looking at Washington more for the minutes. So it's really just depends on game script of the game on which player I like the best. Yeah, I like that. I mean, there, as you said, there's a, a good number of cash plays that are there in this game just because the price tags are pretty fair. I think Rogier was probably the only one that I was looking at again, again, in that magical 7,000 range for me this game. He's got a he's got a good spot. He said his price has actually gone down from where it had been for the last a couple of games now, sitting at around that 8,100, 8,000 mark. So for him to get uh, about a you know 800, 700, 800 uh, drop there gives him that little bit more buffer to be able to go ahead and uh, do something there. So let's see how that ends up working out. And beyond that, I'll just be avoiding Chicago as I have pretty much the whole year, other than. If I feel frisky on a and an odd Patrick Williams night, this at 5,000 is not one of those nights. <laughs> so let's move on to the uh, Pelicans taking on the Mavericks here on a game that I do have a little bit more interest in. But let's see, 226 total here. The Mavericks listed as 4.5 uh, point favorites on the spread over here. And as far as injuries are concerned, 
really it's just the uh, the usual suspects. Zion Williamson continues to be out, and Christian Wood continues to be out for the Pelicans and Mavericks, respectively there. So really, this is where, again, that price adjustment is kind of making a little bit of a little bit of interest here for me. So CJ McCollum, first and foremost, who had been sitting in pretty much that like mid 8,000s to even as much as 9,000 earlier in this month, has seen his price tumble pretty dramatically all the way up to 7,600 over here, while uh, Brandon Ingram, who'd also been sitting in that kind of early 8,000s range, has seen his price drop all the way to 7,100. So both of those guys are, in my opinion, in play in this game. Uh, probably Ingram is a little bit more cash than uh, than GPP. He's been a little consistent. His minutes are finally starting to get back to kind of normalcy there, sitting at 33 minutes in the last game. Hasn't really had a good shooting night as of yet. But the fact that uh, sitting at, you know, anywhere between 17 to 22 field goal attempts, he's going to eventually get around to some of that normalcy we've been seeing overall as far as his shot making is concerned. So I think he's definitely due for a big game, whether it'll be this one, we'll have to wait and see. But CJ McCollum is one of those guys that you can, it's it's like an enigma. You got to know which night to end up picking. And I I've probably been more off than on with him, but I just have something about this matchup. I feel as if he's going to get more of an opportunity to get uh, someone like a Dimwitty on his side. And even a Luca, who frankly, as good as Luca is, is, has trouble being able to stay uh, uh, kind of in front of someone as quick as a, a CJ McCollum over here. So I, I expect that he'll have a pretty decent night. And at 7,600, I think he's got the usage and the upside to be able to have a 40 plus DK night here. And that just makes it uh, a pretty, pretty solid pick kind of for his price. The other one, and we've been kind of seeing this slowly get back into fantasy relevance has been Larry Nance, who's now gotten three very solid games kind of back to back. His minutes continue to be kind of in that low twenties, which really just goes back to how good he is just on a per minute basis he just needs to see his time on the floor and I think that the Pelicans are starting to realize that it clearly is better when he is on the floor there and I expect he's going to continue to see that kind of low to mid 20 minutes which is usually good enough for him to have somewhere close to a 30 DK point night and I expect he'll be able to continue doing that so those are kind of my major Pelicans guys because on the Dallas side I just think everyone's pretty fairly priced. All right um with me I don't have too many plays that I like in this game, um, I do love the price tag on Valanchunas for 5-7. I know I probably shouldn't go there, but it's just too cheap not to. So in both cash and GPPs, I will have a little interest in him. And if I'm going to run J-Val, I'm also going to pair him along with Dwight Powell. Since I feel like if J-Val is going to get a regular amount of minutes, I feel like you're going to give about... 24 to 30 Dwight Powell minutes that game. And when Luke was all on the floor, you always have a chance of that Powell Luca pick and roll that seemed to happen for like that three minute stretch in one game and never happened again until a week later. Um, outside of that, I do have interest in one more Maverick and that's Josh Green for three, nine. It seemed like his, Usage in the offense been going up just a tab. Seemed like he was getting about eight shots in the past five games. So for 3-9, I really feel like that could be a nice little GPP play if you're looking for about 20 points on a seven-game slate. Yeah, completely fair. And we'll have to see how that ends up working out there. But last two games of the night, and now we're getting into the late-night hammers here. 
The game that I'm most excited to watch in real life is going to be this one here, which is Golden State going into Denver to take on the Nuggets. And we do not have a total for this one, likely given the fact that the Warriors are coming in on a back-to-back, much like the Nuggets are as, are um, are also kind of dealing with that. And we'll have to see what that actually means as far as minute production is concerned. Golden State just had an overtime game today against the Timberwolves, which they did eventually end up losing. But all their starters pretty much played around around that 40-minute mark. So we're going to have to see what that means when they're coming up in the altitude against the Denver Nuggets who've had that one-day rest in between. So to be honest, from the... Golden State perspective, the only guy that I've consistently liked taking, especially in matchups where I expect that things are going to stay close and be up against, you know, a an opponent that Golden State kind of respects and needs to play hard against, that's Draymond Green. And for him to be sitting at 6,400, which is uh, kind of in line with where he has been, but he's had a very solid month of January throughout. Uh, he's averaging kind of in the mid-30s as far as DK points are concerned. He's had a couple of games where he's gotten into the 40s over there. And as, as we all know, it's not about uh, how many shots he ends up taking, but it's those ancillary stats. And he's gotten a number of close shaves as far as triple doubles are concerned. And he's had even one to start off the year or start off this new year. So I just like him for his price tag. I think that he's got the upside to be able to give you 40 on a night. And anytime he's sitting in that 6,000s in a matchup that I expect to stay close, I just find myself kind of leaning towards him because I can often slot him into one of that power forward slash center uh, eligibility that he ends up having gives a little bit of versatility to where you can end up uh, taking him in. That being said, I'm, I'm never going to fault anyone for looking at some of these other options there. We know Jordan Poole is one of those guys that can go off on, on any given night over here. It's just about when you, if you catch him on the right night from a streaky shooting perspective. And we saw that kind of earlier in this month where he had those back-to-back games against Washington and Boston. And then he's kind of been sitting in somewhere close to 40 DK points for the vast majority of this month. So not a bad play to be able to look at that, but probably one that I'll have less exposure to in versus uh, versus Draymond. And on the Denver side, it's really just been, apart from the fact that Jokic is down to 11-3, which I will never fault anyone, Jokic is the man. You can keep taking him and you'll likely get him to drop uh, somewhere close to uh, you know 55 even on a bad night, and he has the upside to be able to get you 70. So that's your guy. But Jamal Murray is where I've been finding myself kind of getting more and more exposure in general. He's clearly getting back to the level that we expect to see him. And for him to still be under 8,000 to me is a bit wild. I've been taking advantage of his price tag for actually the vast majority of this month. And I'm going to keep doing that until he really lets me down. And well, he hasn't so far. (laughs) Yeah. um, Can't really fault you on the price tag, but when you said the game you was looking to watch as a late night hammer, I thought you was talking about something else. You got my hopes <laughs> up a little bit. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, I'm ready for this one. Um, but no, when it comes to this game, I don't have too much interest in, and I really do feel like that spread isn't going to look too pretty, especially coming off of a OT game that was in Minnesota. So they got to fly out to Denver tonight. Um so when it comes to the Golden State side, the only player I do have interest in is somebody I never thought would be like a true staple in their rotation, but that's um, DiVincenzo uh, for 5-2. I really do feel like whatever role they need him in a game, he's more than willing to fill it. If he need to be a facilitator, if he just need to be somebody who get a couple rebounds and just start a break, he's going to just fit his role. So for... That price tag of 5-2, I feel like that's going to be a nice little play for cash games. And for GPP, I'm not going to go too heavy on this. 
But for GPP purposes only, I'm going to have interest in um, Zeke Nanji for 3-4. I really do feel like if this game get a little out of hand, uh, since, you know, back-to-back, I do feel like this is a spot where Najee could get you about 20 DK points for 3-4. So if you're trying to load up on some stars in this upcoming game, I feel like that's going to be a nice little helpful way to get there. Yeah. I was going to ask, are you finding that to be uh, the case for you today in general? Are you going more of a uh, stars and scrub strategy on this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I kind of felt like even for cash or GPP, that's kind of the way to go on this late. Since um, I know you're looking more of the mid seven range guys, but I'm more so looking like, hey, it's a seven game slate. You're going to be able to get a couple good cheap price plays, especially in these games for teams on back to back. So you might as well just go with the production where you know you're going to get in with a good floor compared to just hoping like, hey, all these 7K players have a great ceiling. That's fair. I mean, hey, hey that's why there's uh, different ways to uh, be able to go ahead and skin the cat. And we're going to have to see which ends up actually working out. But Hey, when we get to the end here and uh, we get people reaching out on Twitter, that's where you're going to be able to uh, verify what worked and what didn't. So let's see how that goes. But let's move on right to the last game. And your boys are up. The Clippers going into Milwaukee to take on the Bucks. A 230 game total here. The Milwaukee Bucks favored to win by four and a half. And I'm going to let you go ahead and uh, start with the jump on this one. Are the Clippers going to make some more noises? Kawhi going to continue playing at the level that he has up in this matchup against Milwaukee? <sighs> I hope so. But Kawhi is not actually my favorite player for the Clippers in this matchup. I really do feel like this is going to be a great spot for Paul George. Um, he's a little bit cheaper, so it'll give you a little bit more leeway, especially if you want to do the game stack that I'm looking to do with him and Giannis. Um, but when it comes to playmaking ability, I really do feel like Paul George been our best point guard, um, when, you know, the regular starter units is on the floor. Uh, with that said, I do feel like this is going to be a good spot for Norman Powell as well. Um, his price tag is a little too high for my liking, so I'm probably won't go there in my GPPs. That's going to be more of my cash gameplay. For GPPs, I'm going to pair PG along with, I really hate saying this name, but Reggie Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, like I said, I'm going stars and scrubs, and sometimes you need to do things you don't really like doing and just hope for an upside so you could get this good floor. But if you're trying to roster both Paul George and Giannis, you need to figure out some places you could get a little cheap at. If I'm not going with Jackson, the other play that I was looking at was Luke Kennard. Again, not something I am like saying right now, especially for recent production, but those are places that you need to go when you're going to Stars and Scrubs on a slate like this. Then on the Milwaukee side, I mentioned him already. I, I do feel like Giannis will be the best play on the slate if this game stay competitive. And I do feel like this game will go over its total that it's projected at right now. So if you're able to bet on the sportsbook, you should just be taking it over if they actually get the regular lineups on this. 
And the only other play on the Milwaukee side that I do have some interest in is the minutes isn't there, but the price tag is, and that's Chris Middleton for 5K. It's going to be a little hard to work him into my cash game lineup, but that's something I'm going to be looking at in my GPP lines. And I'm right there with you. Chris Middleton was the guy I kind of uh, circled on here. As you said, it's uh, his minutes are still kind of restricted, sitting at around that 20-minute mark, which obviously isn't great for what he can do. But really what I was liking, and I was watching that Charlotte game there, is just how much more confident he is starting to look in actually breaking people off the dribble. He got to the free throw line eight times there, and it was because he was starting to get that first step and everything else going. So to me... That is huge for his offense and also huge for just what Milwaukee needs to do to get him back in there. So as long as his price tag is going to sit where it is and it keeps kind of dropping until his minutes you know, kind of get back to where it usually is, I'm right there with you on that 5,000. I think he's a pretty good GPP play to be able to take on. And uh, slowly but surely, I expect his minutes are going to start to ramp up. They'll probably add... A couple of them, I expect he'll probably get to 22 to 24 minutes in this one, especially if it is going to be staying close near to the end. Milwaukee will definitely want to be racking up as many uh, as many wins as possible at this point in, into the season. I mean, that that race for that top like three, four in the East just continues to be incredibly, incredibly tight. And Philly is pretty much right on there uh, on their butt this entire season. So they'll likely want to keep that second seed if they can. But let's see how that ends up going. Middleton's probably where I'm looking most from the Clippers side. I, I'm probably avoiding everyone here except for uh, except for maybe maybe Kawhi, depending on how I feel on some of these lineups here, if it's working out. But, yeah, I think it's just going to end up being a, a, a little bit of exposure to Middleton just to get something on this game and just hoping that um, some of my uh, all these other mid-tier guys that I'm liking so far do come to the party for me. But that brings us right to the end of our seven-game slate there. I said lots of ways you can go with it. You you see Kenny going more stars and scrubs. I'm finding more of the mid-tier stuff's working for me. So definitely reach out to us, as always, to speak about what you're liking as far as these lineups are concerned. But before we leave you, as always, we head over to Thrive Fantasy to look at some of those player props and see what is going to be interesting and juicy to take on. I thought it was funny you were speaking about Jimmy Butler earlier because that was actually the first one that I put down on here that, you know, maybe from a a props perspective, you're left looking at that. And I do think his 27 and a half points and rebounds prop for his over being 110 points is one of those areas that I am liking and I'm going to end up going with that. And then the second one being the Lamelo side, where even though I'm not taking him in a DFS, just given the fact that his price tag is too high. I do think his assist total is going to be there. Seven and a half assists for him to go over that 100 points. I think that's a pretty safe bet. He just gets enough of his teammates involved in what should always be a matchup where Charlotte just gets shots up after shots up. And if Rozier can hit some of those threes, which he's likely going to get a dime from Mello, then I expect he could probably get somewhere close to double-digit assists here. All right. It's kind of funny. Um, I was looking at that Jimmy Butler prop as well. And I'm actually going to the exact opposite. The <laughs> point total and the fact that I feel like uh, the rebounds and assists just isn't going to be there for Butler. Um, I, I really don't see that getting there unless he gets you about 24 actual points in this game. So first prop I'm going to be saying for Thrive is less on Jimmy Butler's 27.5 points of rebounds. <laughs> I'd like to call on... Um, LaMelo's assist. Um, so 
I'm just going to give my other play then, since we're both agreeing on one, and that's um, over 51.5 points, rebounds, and assists for Giannis. Again, if this game does stay competitive, the only way it's really going to get there is if you get one of these 34, 10, and probably about eight assist games for Giannis. <laughs> Dang, it's going to be right on the market. That's going to be 52 on the dot there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's it's going to be one of those nights. I really do feel like he's going to lead the team and assist rebounds at points when the night is over. All right. Well, I mean, I, I'm sure it's not as fun, much fun to be betting on Giannis when it's going to be coming up against your team, which is why I always end up avoiding taking any bets when it's against the Raptors. I'll just take it on the chin and, and eat it. But... Yeah, it's, it's a good call. I, I was looking at that one as well, but let's see how that ends up working out. But that brings us to the end of this podcast here. Thanks, everyone, for sticking around and listening to the end. As always, you can catch me on Twitter at HAK underscore devil, where you can talk about whether the mid-tier strategy is going to be the way to go or if the stars and scrub side is going to be the way that ends up with the victorious lineup there. And Kenny, where can the good people find you on Twitter to give you your props when that happens? Oh, uh, let's see. On Twitter, you can find me at OrangeDFS. Um, I'm also on TikTok, YouTube, and I'm coming soon to Twitch um, under the same name as well. And as always, I'm always talking about all levels of basketball, from NBA to EuroLeague to women's and men college basketball to NBL. I love it. I love it. You know, we're going to have to have one of these conversations soon because for those who uh, have maybe heard me from the other ones, we're outside of kind of the stuff I do here. I do actually work with uh, our uh, our college basketball team here as well and uh, actually do like scoring table stuff for them. I had zero respect for all the amount of work that it took to actually do the scoring table stuff before I started doing it consistently. And God, God damn, it's uh, <laughs> it is a mission to be able to keep up with all of that. So it's been exciting. I've been doing it for about uh, two, three seasons now, so that's been good. But until then, let's kill those DFS props. Let's kill those Thrive Fantasy lineups, and we will see you on the next one. <laughs>